Oh, such perfect words to fill our hearts. Thank you. Good morning. Um, a reading from Mark's Gospel. One of the teachers of the law came and heard, him, heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, Of all the covenants, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied, you are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. Thank you, Donna. Beautifully read. So over the last uh, few weeks, we've been looking at this idea of um, service being the end point of spirituality and that our purpose in life in our spiritual search is really to understand the nature of reality so that we can be appropriate in our service once you see the way everything is the actual real uh, way things are put together then you can be appropriate in the way that you serve we have to be able to develop the wisdom to be able to know where we're to serve, to see into the nature of reality in such a way as to realize our contribution. And last week, we looked at the idea of being on the way. That to develop wisdom, we have to be immersed in what Jesus called living water, immersed in what Zen Master Dojin called the way. And in his words, when you leave the way to the way, you attain the way. In other words, when you don't try to work out what's going on, but leave the universe to guide you, then you're truly on the way. And with that realization comes an understanding that we don't have to work it all out. That we don't have to have the aim of getting enlightened or becoming better in any way, that we are whole and complete as we are, and that all we have to do is to be ourselves, that all we have to do is to keep on keeping on. We have to keep on under the understanding that we've already arrived where we should be. Winston Churchill's famous acronym during the war KBO, keep buggering on. <laughs> and for those of you who say that you don't understand, he was enlightened, you see. For those of you that, that uh, don't understand, I'm just suggesting that you try to stop trying to understand 
and realize that if you're able to take this radical step of acceptance, that you'll immediately experience an enlightenment in that everything will feel a lot lighter with nothing to strive for. And it has been a bit complicated, some of this stuff, over the last few weeks. So after I've spoken, I'm just going to give you an opportunity to come back to me with any questions or thoughts that you've got about what we've been talking about, just to give you that opportunity. So I'm pre-medding you on that now, just so if you... Because when I say just at the last minute, any questions? (laughs) Silence. Now, the key to all of this is realising that this stance of radical acceptance is actually arriving at the point of love. This radical acceptance, when you get to that, it's arriving at the point of love. And remember I came up with, you know, we had that definition of love is giving with no expectation of return. Love is giving with no expectation of return. You give for the sake of giving, not to control or manipulate a result. No striving for gain in the process of living. And you know, you can take that to the very deepest level with the idea of acting in our lives with no expectation of a result no attachment to an outcome, acting in our lives with no attachment to an outcome. When you do that, when you act with no attachment to an outcome, you're really loving the universe. Your life becomes an act of love to the universe, an act of love to your very life, because you're not doing things for an expectation of return. You're doing things for the sake of doing it. As it says in the Tao Te Ching, do your work, then step back. That is the path to serenity. That's not to say that we don't try hard at all things, just that we're not attached to the outcome. So our effort is truly offered in the spirit of love. I love that that famous Anglican prayer, to to give, to give, and not to count the cost, to fight, and not to heed the wounds, to toil, and not to seek for rest, to labor, and not to ask for any reward, save of knowing that we do your will. That's the essence of this idea of, of giving with no expectation of return of actually loving into our lives fully. And that giving with no expectation of return, you know, that changes everything because it connects us to the universe. You know, interesting that reading, he said, you know, the Lord your God is one. It connects us to the universe. You know, most of us see the universe as being ordered. You know, the planets move in harmony, the rain comes, the earth you know, the plants, they all work perfectly. Everything is in harmony until we get to our personal lives. Everything works in harmony until we get to our personal lives. Then we experience chaos, illness, war, loss, bankruptcy. 
It seems, I think, that the world works right up to the point that's most crucial to us, which is really what goes on in our own lives. How come that an order in the universe doesn't come into the way that we think and feel? It sort of stops here. And, you know, it's that experience that makes us feel separate from the universe. We feel separate. But by acting with no expectation of return, if we act with no expectation of return, by acting out of love of our lives and out of love of the universe, we're suddenly talking the same language as the universe. Because the language of the universe is love. The universe is ordered through love. It was created out of an act of love, a gift with no expectation of return, as were we, our lives. We were, we were born, given our lives, with no expectation of a return. So to enter into the order of the universe, we have to order ourselves in the same way that the universe is ordered. And that is the ordering of love. By giving with no expectation of return, we enter into a deep relationship with the universe and acknowledge our part within it. This loving stance is predicated on the fact, as Jesus mentioned, that there is no separation between us and the universe. It is, it is a, a non-dual relationship. In fact, it's not even a relationship as we are the universe. You know, we and the universe are, in fact, one. So it's predicated on that understanding of oneness, of actually we are a part of that which we see. And to give without expectation of return is to act as if we were one with the universe. To love your neighbor as yourself, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And therefore, being on such intimate terms with the universe, being immersed in it, you leave the way to the way, and therefore you attain the way. Being in that relationship of fundamental love, of giving with no expectation of return, you're truly leaving the way to the way, and therefore attaining the way. You know that fundamentally, all will be well and all manner of things will be well, as Julie of Norwich said. And that all things count for good for those that love, as it says in Romans. So to give with no expectation of return is to, in fact, enter into a loving relationship with all things and therefore become part of the ordered nature of all things. And therefore, our lives become part of that order rather than separate and in chaos. And that is how we link into that orderedness. That is the rationale behind this. And that is the rationale that Jesus is saying with those two great commandments, to love the Lord your God, who is one, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. He's describing this. And the way you go about doing it is very simple. You know, you act without attachment to the outcome. You cast your bread upon the waters. 
for thou shalt find it after many days, as it sees, says in Ecclesiastes. That's, that's the sort of way that it works. And it, you know, it is a stance that affects everything. It is a stance that affects everything. Your relationships, in that you give without expectation of return, without trying to manipulate or control, which you know, most of us do try and do in our relationships. It means that you're not that you are not doing things so that someone else, something else will happen. You are doing things and then not being attached to the outcome. It affects your work, your attitude to money, to health, to everything. What you're really doing is you're merging your will with the will of the cosmos. We're merging our will with the will of the cosmos. And if you think that sounds a bit rarefied, you just have to look at the Lord's Prayer. You know, may your kingdom come. May your will be done as in heaven, so on earth. It is an attitude of merging your will with the universe. You know, we often think that love is really just about being nice to somebody or or looking after them or, or supporting them with the emphasis being on them. You know, it's personal. But the deepest meaning of love is not personal. It is universal. To give to the universe with no expectation of return. To offer our actions on the altar of life. And, you know, to do that, you have to be mindful. Mindful of your expectations. Mindful of your attachment to outcomes. You know, like me doing this. You know, if I'm doing this, this stuff here, with an expectation of result, that you'll come back next week, or that you'll participate more in the chapel, or that you'll change your life, that you'll give more time or more talent or more treasure, then I'm not giving this in love. It's given in exchange. It's a bargain. You know, it's a business transaction between us with a calculated expectation of a return. I just have to give it with no expectation of return. I have to be prepared that it might not work out, that I may not keep this job, you know, that I may have to go back to England. You know, I have to really, you know, seriously, in what I do in this, have all that there. Because, you know, particularly in this job, you just, you know, it's say you just want to manipulate people to really want to feel great about being here. They'll come back, they'll give, you know, it's all... It's pretty heavy, you know, what goes on the sort of in churches and chapels and things like that. You know what? But to give in love is, is literally just to give with no expect, And, and it, it's something just you have to be aware of. And, you know, I have to hold it lightly. You have to hold it lightly. But as we act more with no expectation of return, the thing is the burden of our expectations begin to lift. And we begin to feel lighter. That is what it's about. Because you can't do it so you feel lighter. 
Yeah, that may be the outcome. <laughs> Otherwise, you're bargaining again. Yeah, you have to really do it with no expectation. And you know, obviously, you practice all this in meditation. This is all just a big advert for meditation, or every Sunday, really. But you do practice this in meditation. As Zen Master Dojin says, you do this by sitting, which severs the root of thinking and blocks access to the road of intellectual understanding. When you're sitting, you are practicing loving the universe by sitting with no expectation of return. That is the true meditation, meditative stance, to, to sit with no expectation of return. My Strecker, wanting for nothing, willing nothing, and knowing nothing. You're not staying with your breath because you want to get enlightened or to change in any way. You sit with the breath as an act of love of the universe with no expectation of return. You are literally practicing loving. And when you take that out into your life and you practice it day to day, you know, you have to, you take it out and you practice it day to day as events happen. That's not to say that when you do this, you leave your mind on the meditation hall door. You don't leave your mind in meditation. You have to bring your mind with you. This is not saying you don't need your mind. You don't leave it. And once your mind begins to free itself from attachment to outcomes, once that happens, the mind begins to trust the heart. And your mind becomes the rudder of your life rather than the steering wheel. Your mind becomes the rudder of your life. Analogies are difficult. If you want to take this analogy a bit further, it's like being in a sailing boat with no engine. Your life is driven by the wind in the idea of your kingdom come, your will be done. You allow yourself to be taken, but you use your mind as the rudder to stay close to the wind and to tack when you need to. Your mind has to be in there. The idea that wisdom is knowledge informed by love. Love becomes the driver of the wisdom and knowledge the way that we steer it through. You know, sort of. You get the idea. I mean, it is is being taken. And so our life becomes that work of art in pursuit of wisdom. You know, art is defined as a skill as a result of learning or practice. And so we're practicing the art of loving in our lives. The art, the art of giving with no expectation of return. So, anybody got any thoughts or, or, or questions about this, about this subject? Well, you know, we, we've been having it for a few weeks now. It could be anything from past weeks or anything. Anyone like to make a point or ask a question? Thank you, Didi, yes. See, I asked that with no expectation of return. (laughs) Sometimes we think that if we let go of any expectations or we let go of results, then we can't be truly passionate, and that's not true. No. And why is that not true? 
because we throw our hearts into yeah. it. We love it into existence, but it will be what it's going to be. Yes. And so much of our life is bound up with worrying whether it's going to work. You know, so much of right. our life is worrying whether it's going to work or not. Are people going to show up? You know, what's going to right. happen? Right. Great. Thank you, Didi. Excellent. Lou, yes, thank you. Well, I'd like your feedback on this. Yeah. Um, my thought and feeling for a while has been that this thing that I've called God is really the energy of love or the life force. Yeah. And so I'm wondering what your thoughts are about that. I'm very glad you asked me that question because the book I've coming out, that I've got coming out this year is, is called Living the Life Force. Um, but yes, I, 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 I feel that at the essence, that is, the, you know, that is what it is. You know, the image that I had, uh, that I did send to my publisher that they didn't want to use, but the images of a surfer on a, on, on a wave, in that there is something that, it, that is there that is, I mean, there's obviously a life force, you know, because, you know, we're here. You know, there's been a big bang, all the planets and stuff and life. And you just see it in those the plants growing and, and us, what we're appearing. There is obviously a life force. And the question then, then is that life force, it obviously is within us. And the question then is how do you cooperate with that? And how do you enable yourself? And what I'm really saying is you enable yourself just by becoming part of the wave. Not even the surfer on the wave, you become, you are the wave. That lovely phrase, you know, you are the universe made conscious of itself. And you become the tip of the wave. You become that last, those last bit, and you are the wave seeing yourself as it crashes to the ground. You know, often we see ourselves crash, but we don't realize we're gonna, we are going to go up to the beach. And I think it is that, how do you do that? That, that is what we're, we're working out. And what I'm saying really, you do that by giving up. But not giving up, you know, making sure that we, you know, have bread on the table and, and, and do all that sort of business. Because, you know, you've got to be responsible. That, what I said last week about Richard Raw's two halves of life. The first half of life is preparation. To prepare yourself, to be able to live that life of, of giving with no expectation of return. And, and it's a privilege to get into that place to be able to do it. But you have to have prepared yourself. Great. Thank you, Lou. Yes, Maria, and then I come to Ward. Um, I'm glad you talked about that, because for me, it's really hard to have that balance. You yeah. know, um, because like I said to someone, God helps those who help themselves, which I know is a huge um, controversy, <laughs> because I do believe that the life force, and if we let go, does show us the way. Yeah. But then there is a time when maybe we need to pay attention more or feel... I guess through meditation more, what is the way or letting go, you know, that balance is really difficult for me. I have been told a lot, especially with my kids, like just back off and they'll do it. And I'm like, really, are they going to? <laughs> Cause I don't see that, you know, and it's very difficult not to try to guide it or control it, you know? So in that way, I feel like in our society, um, it's very difficult. And I'm just making this statement more than asking a question, knowing, the balance of that, you know, I truly feel better when I do trust the universe and I am paying attention more. But then, you know, there is always this nagging feeling. Am I letting go too much? Am I not paying attention? Is there something I should be doing? You know, that type of thing. And it's a big fight within me a lot. Yeah. 
I mean, I think that, that um, you know, I that, love that, that phrase in the Bible, that you have to be, you know, wise as serpents and innocent as doves. And, you know, as Master Dojin said, it isn't easy. And it is, you have to really pay attention, I think, to all of it. The idea that, you know, God comes to us in the circumstances of our lives. That, you know, we're, that the signs that we're given are, are our kids sometimes, you know, not and, and, and having to get involved. And when you get involved, when you're not getting involved, it is something you have to really pay huge amounts of attention to. And, and I think that's why you practice loving. You know, when you're in that meditation place, there aren't any consequences to it. You are simply giving with no, but watching yourself giving with no expectation of return. Because most of the time, even in meditation, you're saying, well, I'm going to do this, uh, I'm going to be much clearer afterwards, or I'm going to get enlightened, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that. And you're really bargaining all the way through. It's, it's, just a, it's a business proposition. And actually, t- to practice it in that sense, when, when it's a safe place, that's why you do it, because it's totally safe. And then when you come into that environment, here I come into this now, right? And still the temptation is to have an expectation of return. And, and I have to be aware of that. And, and be aware of, you know, when am I going beyond? And, and, and when am I truly letting go? And do you know where you know it? In your heart. You know it in your heart. And, and you know it because you're doing it, and your mind saying, yeah, you're doing this because, you know, they're going to come back next week or they're not going to come back. But if you're in your heart, you're, I, I, you just, you're doing it and you're just there with it. And, and it has to be that way. And sometimes, you know, when you're careering across the road and the car's about to turn over, you know, sod it. You've just got to turn the wheel the right way and, you know, you've got to really pay attention to the way the road is coming up. You know, at you. You've just got to do that. And, and, and that is the universe saying to you, you know, hang on, you're not going in the right direction here. You know, back off on this. You know, like pain is, you know, the body telling us that something's wrong. And, and the universe crashing into us is, again, the universe telling us that something is wrong. Thank you. Ward. I have to be courageous here because I'm afraid I, I have some thoughts in my mind, but I won't be able to adequately yeah. articulate it. But um, I love that you said that it's... Um, not a dualistic world, that we are the universe. And I've been living with this image that God is the universe and that we, we are all, Joni Mitchell said, cosmic dust. We are all came from the same Big Bang. So you have a bunch of people in the same room for a half an hour and we're breathing each other's breath and we are becoming one with everybody here. You know, the, the sticker on one of my water bottles says, uh, we're all in this together. Uh, I think we're all in it together because I think as you were saying, or at least I was hearing what you were saying, is that we are all one. And that that for me, dualism is that there's a God and then there's us and that we're trying to get close to God and our practices are trying to get close to God. But in reality, it's not dualistic. We are God and God is in the universe and we are in the universe so we are all part of this so it's not the universe banging up against us, it's us inside the universe because we are the universe Exactly that, thank you, that was beautifully said Okay, one more, Jeanette My mind went a little bit 
differently and said is so much, well, kind of combined personal to the deep concern I have about, excuse me, about the earth and what we're doing to destroy it and how if we really truly felt that we are one with the universe, we would take care of it. And, and, and that's not happening, and people aren't feeling that connection. So I'm wondering if you could speak to that on, a, on that level, on a little different sense than just, uh, because I think it's what everybody's saying too, where we really are, we are one with the universe. We are, if, if we take all of our sayings and really act on them, we would have some change in, uh, in what we're seeing, and we're not, and it's very slow. Well, I'd want to say, first of all, that it is very slow. I mean, you know, we are talking about 13.7 billion years so far, and, you know, it is slow. But I think you're absolutely right that, you know, the, we are in the business, the work here of the transformation of consciousness, that this is what the Aspen Chapel is about. And the Aspen Chapel is about recognizing the need for that transformation of consciousness from a consciousness that is about attachment and control and, and, you know, extortion and, and ravaging and, and getting what we can to a consciousness that we are one. Therefore, we do look after. We look after the water because it's part of us. We look after, we have, Mr. Dojan, uh, Zen Master Dojan refers to it, and I'll talk about this later, as the parental mind. If we had the parental mind... A parent would look after a child, give everything for the child. You know, we all know that as parents. We, you know, yeah, of course, you know, you live, I'll die. Take me. And, and, and unless we have the parental mind to the earth, we'll continue doing it in the way that you're talking about. And, and that is the work that we're doing here. You know, we're doing it so that politicians adopt the parental mind. And so that this consciousness is not just seen as something, you know, wacky or something that is you know, that's not sensible, but actually there's a fundamental truth within it. And, and our work here is to have that transformation of consciousness. That's what we're doing here. That is the work of the chapel. And, and lots of other people have got this work as well. It's not just us. You know, there's a tribe of people who, who, who are acknowledging this. And it's growing, you know. Jesus, Buddha, yeah, it's all the same. You know, they, that was the work. And it continues to be the work. So thank you for that. It's great. I think I've banged on enough. So I think we'll, what we'll do is uh, just uh, let's just uh, take a moment just to offer our hearts to, to the universe and really give with no expectation of return just by just offering ourselves in prayer. And when we offer prayer, we're giving all of ourselves to these places where there is concern. We're asking for that transformation. We're wanting to be a part of that. And we do ask that that parental mind be adopted in all areas, in work, in relationships, in families, in politics, to the environment, that our world becomes a a kinder and more loving place. Particularly think of those in, in our community that we know are suffering at the moment, Continue to pray for, for Erin and Tommy Hessert with their premature baby who's doing well in that New York hospital. Particularly pray for Mimi Schlumberger who's battling with cancer. I know Mimi's watching at the moment, Mimi, so our hearts do go out to you and uh, we love you. 
Pray for Annie Teague. Continue to remember the family and friends of Arian Truk. And also we pray for all those who've recently been bereaved, struggling with loss, difficulty, families, trying to make sense of things that just don't make sense. We offer our hearts to all of them.